Welcome to the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss travel in South Africa and beyond for persons with disabilities and special needs with our host, Lois Strachan. Join us as we share inspiring stories of people who travel, exciting, accessible travel experiences, and showcase service providers who will accommodate those with special needs. And now, on with the show. everyone and thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lois Strachan. Today we're doing something a little different. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity of interviewing Marlene LaRue, who's a well-known South African disability activist and a thought leader in the areas of inclusion and accessibility. Marlene is also the CEO of Artscape Theatre, in Cape Town, which I've heard described as the most accessible theatre complex in South Africa. And that's all thanks to the work done under the leadership of Marlene LaRue. Marlene shared so much valuable information with me during the interview that I decided to split it into two episodes. So we're listening to half of the interview today, and the next half will be concluding in our following episode. So remember to listen to both episodes to ensure you get all the information. Then, we're going to be looking at a tour operator who works effectively with people with disabilities and special needs. With their company motto, Breaking Boundaries, Epic Enabled has a number of accessible tour and travel experiences for people traveling in and around South Africa. We'll be sharing more information about their offerings in our service provider spotlight. So stay tuned after the interview with Marlene. And remember, if you know of anyone involved with accessible travel or anyone who loves to travel despite their disability, we'd love to know about them. So drop us an email on podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za. And now, here's Marlene LaRue. Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. We're in the beautiful Artscape Theatre in Cape Town, meeting with CEO Marlene LaRue. Marlene, thank you so much for making the time to meet with us today. How are you today? I'm fine and I just want to say I am so blessed and privileged to be part of this process because I see myself a facilitator, a facilitator to see how accessibility become part of people's lives and institutions and not just artscape. I just use the space to enable and also to say to government and institutions and open space that if you have the willpower and to work with networks, you can make spaces accessible for persons with disabilities. And that's so important, I think, um, particularly well in all aspects, but for what we're seeing in this podcast, particularly looking at the hospitality and the travel industry. Just to start off with Marlene, could you introduce yourself to our audience and just share a little bit of your story with us? I'm Marlene LaRue and I grew up in Wellington. Um, and it's a small town and it's very hot. It gets 45 degrees in Wellington in summer. 
and I contracted polio when I was three months old and I contracted polio because of the apartheid system. The black clinic ran out of vaccine and at that time the white clinic didn't give access to the black community for um, to get the polio uh, vaccination and for me for my um, especially my granny and my mother it was very traumatic when I contracted polio because at that time there were only normal laborers farm workers and for them it was like the fear was put into them that they did something wrong and when I realized that these two remarkable women thought that it was their mistake, I needed to rectify that to them by saying, because of their persistence that I need to go to school, and I can still remember my mother sitting at the school principal's office and telling the school principal, but I'm going to attend grade sub A, that time it was sub A, and the principal said, but what are they going to do with a child with a disability and she said there's nothing wrong with this child with a disability and I will be forever grateful to her who was an ordinary farm worker that realized that she has the right and in that time as a black woman colored woman she didn't have any rights so for her to be able to say but I have the right to go to school and she's going to sit in that principal's office until I was placed in a class and I will be forever grateful to her and that is why for me is that I've tasted poverty, I've tasted discrimination, I've tasted what it is to be in apartheid segregation, being part of hospitals that segregate people being part where in a community I call them the upper community because I'm the product of a community who has believed in me because we we lived like two hours from the train station and I needed to go that time to Princess Alice home which is the it's in retreat so it's more or less a five hour trip which we needed to take so, and it's more than four trains that you needed to change. And this community used to carry me on their backs in order for me to get to the train and to get to Princess Alice home. And when we get to Princess Alice home, I can still smell the urine of where these wonderful classy two women and the auntie next door that would go with them would need to sit and the doctors will take the tea break at 11 o'clock don't ask them whether they need tea whether they need something to eat and when eventually we get to the doctor the doctor will ignore them and speak to their students and I become an object and they become people that's invisible and I take that through with my life not being bitter at all but it has taught me that no one must be invisible. Everybody must have a voice and everybody must be treated with dignity. And that I take through with me in my life. So whatever job 
I do or whatever volunteer work I do. Whatever color you have, whatever disability you have, wherever you come from, whatever language you, tell, you speak, or whatever religion you practice, whatever cultural background you come from, you must be visible. And that I take, I'm not every day successful in it because I'm also just human, but I try because I know what it is to be invisible. That's such an important statement. You're saying that being seen, being heard, being acknowledged, that everybody deserves that. Talking from the perspective of travel, what would you say is the, the biggest challenges faced by someone coming into Cape Town in terms of being able to access venues and accommodation and services? Most important is that the accessibility is transport. I did my research, um, being a disability activist, you're always a disability activist. When you're disabled, you can't say you're not an activist. Your life is activism because you need to navigate your life every single day. Yes. When you get up in the morning, it is not just getting up. Yeah. It's to navigate. It's like 10 things you need to do before you can only getting up. And that you're taking into traveling. I did a research focus group with young people to get to understand, and I took young people who doesn't have any money. I took them from Gugulia to Kailicha, Manenberg, Lavender Hill, to ask them specifically. And the first thing that I needed to do is to get them to Artscape. Mm. Because Artscape is about entertainment. Then I realized, if you are in school, in a special needs school, number one, when you're in that school, you have access to transport. Yes. So you can somehow get somewhere. But when you leave that particular school, you are trapped because you don't have access to infrastructure. Yes. So now you're trapped in your shack or in your home in Bontihivel or in Guguletu or in Kailicha where you don't have any access to transport. So transport gives you access to freedom. Yes. And when you need to use the normal taxi, that's the normal minibus, mm. and you're in a wheelchair, you need to pay for your wheelchair, you need to pay for the gachi to pick you up, to put you in the seat, and then you pay for you. So you pay thrice for one seat, and then you must pray to God that your wheelchair has not been stolen, or your wheelchair is not broken. So it becomes totally inaccessible for you to move outside of your home. When you're blind, you are dependent. If you don't have a, a, um, a guide dog, you become dependent on people to assist you. And that dependency is a matter of you need to entrust a person with your safety. So if you don't have a family member to assist you, if you don't have a guide dog, it becomes a nightmare. Mm. Secondly, if you have a guide dog and you are independent, you now need to look at what transport is accessible to take your guide dog with you. So you can't just lump disabilities together. 
And that is the challenge that we have in the entertainment industry. The challenge with the entertainment industry is that transport, number one. Secondly, is that when you get to the building, do we have trained persons? That is your front of house to immediately say, this is how we're going to usher you in dignity, not in a shameful way. You need to feel I'm coming out. I am here to enjoy a movie or I'm enjoying an, an experience. What we have done with Artscape, with our new renovations, and it's an ongoing journey, is that we have partnered with the Association for the Blind that we look at partially sighted as well. So that our signage needs to look a certain way so that it's not just for the blind, it's also for partially sighted. And that is what people sometimes don't realize with buildings. They just think it's for ramps. That the accessibility of buildings is not just for persons in a wheelchair. Because we lump disability together and we only think of physically disability. We need to think about are we accessible for persons who are deaf, whose persons who are cerebral palsy, persons who get epileptic fits, persons who are blind, who are partially sighted. So what we have done as Artscape in a small scale, because we are still on a journey, every year we're taking it a step further. For instance, we have a comfort room that if you have a catheter that you need to carry, that you go to a comfort room on the ground floor so that you can take out your bag and in a very dignified, in a comfortable space, you can then deposit what is in your bag and in a way, in a dignified way. If your child gets an epileptic fit, there is a room that you can go to and calm your child down and sit. If your child is cerebral palsy and needs to be seen to, there's a comfort room for you. The same, it is not just about having a disabled toilet for persons with disability. It is more than that that we have looked at. It's a journey that we're taking on. And this journey we can't do alone. And that is why, because I am the facilitator of this particular building, I take it very serious to make this place accessible. It is not yet right as we want to have it right. So every year we tackle it. We're not saying it's because of money. We're saying it because there's the willpower to do it. So we as Artscap, we have an accessible task team that see to that we are adhere to certain norms and standards and persons who are blind, who are from inaccessible communities. We also have meetings from time to time with the provincial government, with the city of Cape Town to look at how is the transport accessible and how do our building comply. Unfortunately for us, for an entertainment centre, we need to work with everybody, with service providers. 
we had a, a challenge with Tyler Ride, for instance. Tyler Ride only operate in business hours, not after hours. And that is a challenge because it says that persons with disabilities don't have a social life. Persons with disability don't need to go out after hours. Persons with disability must just go to work. We are full human beings. Yes. We need to have everything at our disposal and that is what we need to work towards. Within the, the, the work that you're doing here at Artscape, I understand that, <clears throat> excuse me, I understand that it's a journey. Can you give us a bit of the history of that journey, how the, that's progressing, how it's, how it's been going and what your aims are in the short term, possibly the next year and the next five years? What we started, as you know, 1971, the theatre was only built for white people. Yes. And the theatre was not accessible at all. Yeah. Lots of steps, not even thinking of toilets for persons with disabilities, accessible rooms, or even for the elderly, the height that you need to sit in the foyer. It was chairs that was too low. So for the last two years, all that we have done is first of all we had a task team that we have est established second thing that we had we had various focus groups with young people because they're outspoken and what was the beauty of it all was that young people came dressed up for a meeting and then i realized because they want a social life they would like to go out they are normal human beings they just happen to have a disability so the focus group was with with young people with disabilities with all kinds of disability so even the empowerment to understand so that the deaf don't just speak for the deaf blind not just speaking for the blind physical only not for what i've done is that to bring the groups together in order for us to come to be sensitive for each other's needs because the more we fragmented the more we're not going to tell government to take us serious with persons with disabilities. So that was the first steps that we've done. Then I sat down with a pool of architects to say, now you're only going to get the job when you understand what we need. And that was a total mindset also, because you must remember the universities doesn't have an integrated curriculum. Yes. If you're an architect, you are not trained to be disability friendly or to look at space to be accessible. You are trained only to, to design for persons who are able body or sighted. So you don't think about it. So it was my, it was my job to make all these service providers to train them how to think. A small step is so difficult for me who, is, who has polio to get up if there's not a railing because they only think of wheelchairs. But now I have polio and I wear a caliper and sometimes crutches. It's inaccessible to me because a ramp is inaccessible for me. Because a ramp is accessible for a wheelchair but a person for crutches or wearing a caliper is totally inaccessible. So we needed to relook 
at the end. So I was very clear with the team. So we had walkabouts with the architects in how to change the theater. So the signage has changed, mm -hmm. the way we look at our furniture, and the way we have changed the steps as well, and we took steps away, and we also looked at toilets specifically and the comfort room, which is the first, oops, which is the first of its kind to all institutions and government institutions as well. So, government is using now Artscape as a case study to see how they can, not just paying lip service, but implementing it. For the next year and the next two years, is now to bring in persons with disabilities. We, we now oversubscribe. Persons with disability comes, the only hassle is accessibility to transport. Is to have the groups, and I work with a wonderful group, Stichting for Bemachtiging with Afrikaans, where they bring young people from the rural areas in, who has, pers who has uh, disabilities to experience Artscape and they give us feedback to say the one there was a group who's deaf um, and they say to us they don't want uh, assigned uh, interpreters they would rather have the subtitles that they can read <clears throat> because it is a distraction to watch a play and they have a sign language interpreter that helped us because I'm not deaf. I can't make decisions for persons who are deaf. Deaf people must make decisions for themselves. And by bringing in the schools to experience, and we had the set work, the dramas that's prescribed and the books for schools, and we invited the deaf school for learners for the deaf, and they say no. They would rather let us have surtitles. And we're now going to try to get funding to do that so that we can say these are productions that is going to be accessible for persons who are deaf. So we take it and the Arts Ability Festival helps us a lot because having artists on stage, it's not just audience members, also artists on stage, if in a wheelchair and a cable is not laid properly, you can trip on it. Or your wheelchair can, your wheels can then be stuck because the cabling is wrongly laid. So we also train our technicians now how to lay the cabling. I'm fascinated from what I'm hearing. And I know in some of the theatres in um, First World, certainly from America, I've heard it mostly. I've also heard reports about using audio description for visually impaired people when they're attending plays, ballets. Yes. Is that something that you're looking into as well? Yes, we're busy now to look at what is the cost of it so that we can look at different companies because we are a state organization where we need to tender and we have putting out our feelers now to look at wh what, what companies are there that we can look at fundraising for that because that is what we want to do. That is the best option. I don't want to go for the lesser option. 
we need to go for the option that is the best and to make it first time around accessible, not going for third rate. And that is what we're looking at for this coming year to do the research. I have, I'm chairing the National Committee for Arts Institution now in South Africa, which the minister has asked me to look at, and that is part of our agenda, to look at the loop system also in the theatre for persons who are deaf, who has a hearing aid, that the white sound, um, that we see what is the cost of that, that we can equip the theatre for that, also about the audio uh, system for the ballet, for the dramas, all of that, to look at what is the best companies that can, can assist us and what is the cost thereof. For me, personally, it mustn't just be the cost. It should be the willpower to do it. It sounds like you have some very exciting times ahead. That's the end of the first half of the interview with Marlene LaRue. Be sure not to miss out on the second half by subscribing to the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. And now, today's Service Provider Spotlight, where we try to showcase some of the service providers who are accommodating the needs of persons with disabilities in their travel events, services, and venues. Whether you're wanting to travel on safari in the Kruger Park or spend a few days exploring the beautiful garden route on the south coast of Africa, Epic Enabled has something for you. Epic Enabled is a tour company who specialize on providing accessible tour experiences for persons with disabilities or persons who are part of a group with some who are disabled and some able-bodied travelers. To find out more about the specific tours that Epic Enabled offers or to chat to them about your specific requests and travel experiences, why not contact them either by going to the Accessible South Africa website www.accessiblesouthafrica.co.za and looking under the Tour Operators tab for their contact details. Or you can contact them directly on www.epicenabled.co.za. If you do contact them directly, please let them know that you heard about them here on the Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. That's it for this time. But remember to join us next time for the conclusion of the interview with Marlene LaRue. Until then, happy travels. That's it from us for this time. You can find Accessible South Africa on the web at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za or on Facebook and Instagram at Accessible South Africa or on Twitter at Accessible SA. You can also email us at podcast at accessiblesouthafrica.co.za Editing by Deirdre Gower. Our theme music is by Louis Chichao based on a motif by Lois Strachan. Credits read by Andre Latoy, the big positive guy. Thanks for joining us on Accessible South Africa Travel Podcast. We'll see you next time. And until then, 
happy travels.